Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast with me, Rue Chater. Season 3, Episode 3 with Ralph Grozel. Welcome back. It's been a little while. Apologies for the break. Obviously, there was a worldwide pandemic happening and I need to prioritise a few things. Um, I have released a couple of episodes since that all started. If you haven't listened to them, go back and check them. And I was actually looking at the back catalogue the other day, and there's a wealth of great podcasts. So if this is your first experience listening to Intriguing Beings, then I do recommend you go and check them out on all your usual podcast providers. They are worth a listen, and there's plenty of great content back there. I was asked by Ralph to go and visit him at his new factory in North Macedonia and I don't want to talk too much about this during the intro because we're going to discuss that for the next hour or so Um, but that's what really sort of inspired me to get back to doing another episode it's been a little while since I did the last one and as you know I like doing these in person so getting to actually go to North Macedonia and sit down with Ralph provided the perfect opportunity to actually record a podcast face to face. I've got a couple more lined up, so it won't be such a long wait before the next episode. Um, So keep your eye out on these podcasts. A little bit of housekeeping before we start. If you do enjoy these episodes, please remember to like and share. Give them a five-star review wherever you can. Tell your friends about them and just get the word out there because the more people that listen, obviously the more inspiring it is for the person doing them, namely me, and I will make more of them. Also, uh, I want to give a shout out to Liam and Freddie over at the Generic Foiling Pod. They're a little bit of the inspiration behind me getting back into this, along with the invitation from Ralph. Um, Those boys set up a foiling podcast a little while ago, covers all sorts of things across all sports. So just anything foiling, whether it's kite foiling, prone foiling, suck foiling, winging, e-foiling, whatever it is, they have a good chat about it. And I was in Ireland with them about a month or so ago, and we were chatting about podcasts, and they said how this had been an inspiration for them, which was a really kind thing for them to say. I then listened to all their episodes on the way home and absolutely loved them. And we're going to be doing a little bit of work together um, moving forwards anyway. So that's one of the reasons why I'm sharing their pod, but also just because um, it is a really good podcast and it's not often I say that. So if you've got five minutes spare, go and check out the Generic Foiling Pod. And if you like the content, subscribe and have a good listen to those guys as well. Anyway, I'm not going to waffle on too much. We're going to dive straight in with this next episode. Um, It was a fantastic experience to go out to North Macedonia. Never been before. Had no clue where it was. Needed to look it up on Google um, and really didn't know what to expect. And I just want to say thank you to Ralph and Isabel at Brainchild Production for giving me the most amazing 48 hours in North Macedonia. Let's jump into the podcast right now. Here we go. It's been a while since I've recorded one of these and COVID obviously meant I couldn't sit down with people and see them in the flesh, which is how I always like to record these interviews. Obviously, COVID's passed and actually in the last three months, the travel has really opened up and I've been traveling around a lot more. And Ralph, we've had on the podcast before when we were in South Africa a little while back. If you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend you go and do because it will give you a really good insight into who... Ralph is and the sort of things that he does. Um, He's an exceedingly talented man, paraglider, kite boarder, kite designer, kite tester, racing car driver. He's done all sorts of amazing things. He also runs a mind-blowing number of companies. I actually flew out to North Macedonia yesterday to hang out with Ralph and Isabel, his partner, for 
a few days and check out his latest project. And we were chatting last night and I was just blown away by what a high functioning human Ralph is. And that's probably a good way to describe him. Anyway, with a very brief intro, Ralph, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's all right. It's an absolute pleasure. It's nice to see you again. So we've come out here to look at your latest project, which is called Brainchild. Yeah. And if people haven't heard of it, it's on Instagram. There's a bit of social media buzz out there. Uh, this podcast is probably the first major bit of news you'll get from it from our news outlets, but we'll be doing an article on it. We're also putting a little video together as well. And when Ralph initially told me about this, it really piqued my interest because there's a really important aspect to it, which I think um, everyone will be interested in. And there's also some different angles that we talked about yesterday about how Brainchild is going to operate. So, Ralph, in a few words, would you like to say what Brainchild is? Well, I'll try to do it in a few words. <laughs> and then we can talk endlessly about it. But just to sort of sum up an overview, in, in a, if you In like. a nutshell. Well, basically, Brainchild, it's all about... Um, sub, a sustainable production facility in the heart of Europe. I mean, as you mentioned, we are here in North Macedonia, a very tiny little country uh, close to the Greek border. Like we are four kilometers away from the border. And Brainchild um, is, yeah, on, on one side, we are really focusing on changing the industry, the wind-driven industry, um, to something which is sustainable for real on one hand but also um, pushing production manufacturing techniques to the next level um, i think this is basically the combination between high tech and doing everything what is humanly possible to make the products more eco-friendly uh, more sustainable um, as i always say i'm not going to to heal the world but i really do try to make it um better as good as ever possible and the water sports industry traditionally isn't a very sustainable industry but they're using Not you know resins in boards and yeah. materials for kites and things like that and you've obviously been working in factories for a long time um you know how bad is it as a current state do you think oh, well i mean first of all we have to say wind driven sports are fantastic generally because they're wind driven so the energy comes from the, the energy source is the wind itself and i think this is a very positive effect to our sport in general but yeah you know like the production facilities are all in asia the core markets are in europe mainly and in the states so you are shifting and flying materials from a to b uh, in in a pretty crazy uh, way so um yeah, if you look to the CO2 footprint we are creating, it's actually quite bad. And um, I mean, we had a discuss discussion yesterday. It is our mission is not to compensate CO2. You know, like we are not going to purchase any certificates which are uh, very questionable, I would say, in general. But we really try to change the supply chain, for example. We really try to source everything what we can in Europe even here in this little town in Bitola. Um, yeah, and it is it is a huge mission, huge. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable, complicated, complex, um, because of the of the sum of items we do need uh, for, for the product. We have so many different materials 
from different sources and uh, it's a long-term project yeah. definitely to change something it's not going that i that i had the idea and i'm changed the industry by tomorrow but somehow you have to start on a, on a certain point and this is what we do and as you said you know like it's not only the material but it's also the manufacturing technique itself yeah for example printing <clears throat> all the kites out there are screen printed and screen printing ink is everything but environmentally friendly yeah it's, it's just not so um, you will not find screen printing in our facilities you will never find it yeah we have come up uh, with a completely different technology of eco solvent digital printing yeah. which is ecologically friendly on one side but it's also going to change the optical impression the look and feel um, of our products forever yeah i mean chatting to you yesterday it's very apparent that brainchild is like a whole project approach you know we've mentioned the the, the digital printing there and the eco inks but let's bring it back so when you when you rock up to the, the laboratory, as you've called it, yep. which is the first part of the project, and it's worth mentioning that Ralph is um, busy creating a much bigger production facility here in Macedonia. And this is like the first sort of iteration of it where he's working on the techniques that are going to transfer across to the larger production facility. Um, and you rock up and you see Brainchild and, you know, Macedonia, I've never been here before, you're probably googling where north macedonia is which is exactly what i did when ralph invited me i was like where on earth i did it going? as well yeah and then <laughs> years ago. the taxi driver drove me and it's it's a beautiful country it's a beautiful country but you're driving around some of the industrial areas and it does look you know a little run down and sort of eastern european and what you might expect but when you arrive at brainchild it's this beautifully painted smart looking warehouse with a lovely logo on it and you walk through the doors and probably a good place to start would be with the roof. Yeah. And that was where we started the factory tour. Obviously, it didn't go up on the roof, but you showed me you know, how you're powering the building, which people can probably guess. But let's talk a little bit about that, because it's probably the starting point of where the energy comes in to run the facility yeah. and how important that is. Yeah, it's super important. Like We are 100% running on solar power. Um, this is like essential, I would yeah. say. Like generally, it's essential. Whenever you have an investment coming up, I think everybody is taking solar power into consideration, has to take it into consideration. And for us, it is just like a 100% logic step to be independent on one side, but also uh, not to use the power from the grid because the power from the grid is basically from a very old factory or um, a energy plant, how you call it, uh, running on coke. Uh, yeah. So, um, no, I mean, it, it is like, a lot of different steps you have to do you know like we are not using any plastic to pack our um, finished products or wrap our finished products into uh, we are using mainly cotton yeah. cotton coming from Turkey but manufactured in North Macedonia we are using recycled yarn from Germany from Amman uh, which is the highest grade of recycled yarn you can have and it's just it, everything you know like when you look at the at the backpack for example the backpack is made from uh, out of 97% eco uh, ecologically friendly or sustainable materials. We have no plastic buckles. We have wood buckles. The wood is coming from Serbia, the neighboring country. They are milled, CNC milled in our facility. And we're trying to, not, not actually we're not trying, we, we have reinvented pretty much every single aspect of the manufacturing in our field of the sport. This is, this is, I think, this is, this is 
what we do. Like it's questioning everything, every single seam, every material. I'm talking to all the suppliers. Um, we are trying to, um, yeah, kind of reinventing every little bit, you yeah. know, because it's just like our products are fantastic products and they are they are there to deliver joy to the people, you know, like this is like it's a fun it's a fun sport, so it must be a fun product. And my vision is to um, make it not only fun but also um, sustainable. And um, one of the sort of most I mean, we'll sort of walk our way through the production facility, mm -hmm. I guess, and give you a kind of, if you're listening in, a, an audio tour of what <laughs> Ralph has created. And we started off with the solar panels, which, as Ralph said, is a no-brainer. It's, mm. you know, it's it's something where I think we discussed it a bit yesterday, but all businesses should be looking when they start up now to be sustainable. There's no yes. point not doing it because yeah. we're in a climate crisis and the planet is dying. And if we're still just going down the old ways, there's no point at all. So... Starting with the solar, obviously a no-brainer, and it's quite an impressive solar setup that mm. Ralph's got. It's not just your average a few panels. The whole roof is absolutely covered, and they do bring in an awful lot of energy. But then probably one of the most startling things was the material that you bring in mm. is all white. Mm. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is so a... what's you know, you were telling me about <clears throat> the, the way that the yarn is dyed and stuff, if you have different coloured materials. And just to give you an idea, when you think about um the kites that we buy today or the wings that we buy today, all those panels are individually coloured. Like you buy a sheet of Tajian material in blue or green or whatever colour it is, and then it's stitched together to make the design. Whereas mm. you've completely turned that on its head and you only bring in white materials. <laughs> yeah, you know, Rude, the, the crazy thing about our industry is that once you're uh, connected to, to, the, to the suppliers, to the material suppliers, and once you have like a proper business relationship or general relationship then you're you're starting to chat you of course you have to talk about um, good materials bad materials in, in terms of ecologically friendly materials and as we are aiming for this the first question for me was like how much more because i know that the dyeing process of a single yarn whatever red blue gray doesn't matter um, requires quite a lot of additional water in comparison to plain white material and the ratio is around one to four sometimes even five so that means if you have a very colorful kite um, then you you already used up five four to five times more water in the process of dyeing the yarn just to make the material just to make just to make the material that's before you stitched anything exactly. before you cut any material yeah. just to do yeah. that you've used yeah. And, that, and that's insane, insane amount um, of of water. And um, I, I cannot mention any names, but I was I had a chat, long, long chat with um, the, the the chief engineer from a very big material supplier, like a material supplier everyone is using in the industry. And he was telling me, he said, like, hey, Ralph, if you know, I would love to talk to the magazines and tell them how bad it is actually. What we have to do if we dye the yarn and um, because i introduced the digital printing to him and it's not that easy to make it happen and we have to develop the materials in a bit different way and he said like man this is just the way to go and really they they are actually happy to to to, to have a partner now in this regard brainchild uh, which is trying to set new standards for the industry and 
yeah we we basically we don't cut the panels um, we we only have white materials like absolutely 100% white materials and we are um, printing on them with eco solvent digital printing and there are like two effects on it like eco solvent print is pretty much the same ink you're having uh, on your bed sheet if you have a colored bed sheet for example it's the same type same type of ink and it's just like a little little amount you know like this is just it's a completely different idea you know yeah. like not the, the yarn is basically printed on a surface but still you have a completely different effect also you have a like like a shine through effect so the the logos and the graphics are visible from both sides and this is also a huge benefit in comparison to the screen printing where you normally just see the the screen printing on one side and on the other side it is just gray yeah and with the digital printing you basically have both sides of the kite or of the wing which is um yeah like an advertising yeah. display sort of and the printer you've got i mean we'll, we'll i'm jumping one stage ahead because sure. the next stage is the material come in and it's all white which mm. is shocking mm. <laughs> when you first see it, it but is, then yeah. when you hear ralph talk about mm. it you're like well that makes sense and then you mm. actually scan every piece of material yeah. and roll it off the roll and onto another roll and yeah. check it yeah. for you know defects and there's a sustainable reason why you do that because obviously you don't want to get to the end of the production line and find the materials got a defect in it so uh, yes exactly i mean everything starts with the quality control up front and um, we do have very expensive materials you know like um, that's also a little bit of the difference it recycled materials in general are much more expensive than yeah. than virgin materials um, at least these days and this is another thing we maybe can talk later about like the vision I have be behind Brainchild and how I want to push the entire industry and um, also in this regard but yeah the material itself has to be checked every single centimeter literally we have a roll to roll table like a light table it's also called and um, um, if we would not do this then we would have to waste the material and if you want to be sustainable, don't waste. Try yeah. to avoid wasting materials, yeah, because it's a, a resource. Yeah, um, in in every in, in every single regard, it's a resource, money-wise. But of of course, also there's no need to um, to to throw them away. Yeah. yeah, generally, yeah. And that this is basically it starts with the white. It goes through the digital printing process, then it goes through the cutting. Yeah, and, and the digital printer you've got is immense like it's huge and I mean it's worth probably talking about mm -hmm. that because I know from you know if you're working in the clothing industry mm. a digital t-shirt printed mm. yes you can have more colors but generally the colors don't look as good mm. as a screen print but the printing that Ralph was showing me yesterday was insane like absolutely yeah. insane it's it's nuts the quality of the DPI the quality of the colors is just bonkers. Is that a fairly new advancement in digital printing or is it something that's been around but it's expensive so people didn't want to use it? What's the sort of... The, th the thing is that digital printing in general is ultra complex. Yeah. Ultra co it's not complex, it's ultra complex because of the, the variations you're having. You know, like there's... Depends on what kind of digital printing you're aiming for. But... Um, the combination of ink, amount of ink, settings, color settings, um, sometimes the transfer paper if you go for transfer sublimation printing or the amount you of, of heat you have to put in to, to make the transfer happening. These are all variables which are extremely complicated and 
I've been working on digital printing for many years now for the company I own or I owned Jibe yeah. Inflatable Tents and we do since 11 years, 10 years, um, customized tents very successfully. We're market leader in that field and all these products are actually digital printed. But the main difference between that company and what we do at the moment is that for Jibe we have been using one fabric, one fabric, so one setting basically. And now we're using a huge number of different materials for the inflatable part, for the canopy, for the accessories. And it was a huge journey and it took us six months basically to, to really figure it out and really not hundreds but thousands of tests with three people involved for six months to, to come to the level where we say, okay, it actually looks like a photorealistic printing. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, it, yeah. it is, I think it's, it's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, I mean, and I think it will revolutionize the water sports industry and how the water sports industry looks, because yeah. up to this date, it's been defined by, I mean, at the moment, everybody knows there's a material shortage and, mm. you know, brands can't say, oh, we're going to make black kites next year because there might not be any black material. So suddenly they're having to, you know, make kites in whatever material is available, and especially for some of the smaller brands that perhaps haven't bought in as much bulk and don't have as much sway with the material provider. It's become a real issue. But by using white materials and digitally printing on them, I mean, the possibilities are infinite almost. Yeah. There's no limit to what you can do in terms of the graphics, the colors, the, you know, and it's not like you're going to run out of the red material because mm -hmm. you can just make an infinite amount of it. And you were saying as well that even the ink is, is not expensive, like it doesn't cost very much yeah. <laughs> in terms of, I don't know how much you want to say, but you know, it's not like, even though they're doing like full color printing across an entire <clears> wing, it's, you know, you'd think, oh, it might, maybe that would cost 50 bucks or something like that. But mm. actually the cost of it and the eco footprint isn't that bad at all. Yeah, the eco footprint is actually quite good because even if you're using sublimation paper, it is the same as a newspaper and you can recycle it by 100%. So there's, there's really, the footprint itself is really good, really, really good. And um, as we are creating our own energy, and yeah. this is the main source, you know, like production runs with energy. This is something you always have to keep in mind. If you want to put things together, you need you need an electric motor, an engine which runs on electricity. So, as long as you have covered this field, so then, then then pretty much you're quite safe when it comes to carbon footprint in general. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, like I'm, we are setting new standards. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, like we are setting new standards, and I think this idea is going to be copied. Uh, sooner or later from every other manufacturing brand um, in the field of not even wind-driven sport I think it will Everything. also uh, it will also influence other industries and um, and that's very positive you know you know Ru, you, you know me now a little bit and you know that I'm very competitive and I know that I'm going to change the industry um, I, I will start a race yeah you know because this is what, it, what it's all about it's going to be like I, I've invented a new uh, method and now the race is on and um, I'm totally motivated to race yeah you know, like because it's in it's for the for the good you know like it's it's great you know like if, if I can if I have the chance to influence an entire industry even I will have more headaches in the future to race other companies I'm still absolutely 100% motivated to do so because we have the chance to to 
kind of also educate a little bit um, um, the, the kiters, the user, um, to say or, or to, to showcase how much effort we have to put in to make things better. You know, this is, I think this is one of the, of the reasons. Um, I'm also super glad and happy that we have this chat and I'm able to basically talk about that project because it's so much more than just buying a certificate and telling yeah. that I have <laughs> yeah. compensated CO2. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that a little bit yesterday, didn't we? So, I mean, there's, we'll get onto a bit more of the production process yeah. in a second, but I think, you know, we've hit that point so we can labour it. One of the things I said to Ralph yesterday that really annoys me is companies that say, oh, sustainability is a journey because, mm. you know, we're, we're not there yet, but we're working towards it. And you're like, okay, well, when? 2030. Mm. Well, that's not really good enough. You know, you're not, you know, it's going to be a messed up world that we live in by then if temperatures keep rising. Um, and really what Ralph is trying to do is is to be as sustainable as possible right now to a level which I've never seen before in the industry. I've not even seen the industry attempt to, mm. to do it. I can't think of anyone that's looked at every little detail and tried to think how they can make that more sustainable. Um, but yeah, it's quite an incredible achievement to have built what you've built in such a short space of time is it 13 months or something you've been yeah when, when we when we are talking about the hole itself yeah it was basically only 13 months and we put quite a lot of effort in, in yeah it. but you know like everything is based on my 26 years of experience in in the field of paragliding and kitesurfing and industrial engineering and i mean i have been involved in setting up production facilities in china in ukraine in sri lanka i've been in sri lanka for 10 years like setting up the biggest facilities in that in our field worldwide so i think this is kind of my core competence yeah uh, besides the fact that i'm i'm the kite designer <laughs> for, for duotone and I, I guess most of of the people do know the products i'm involved to like yeah whatever evo or <laughs> other models which are existing from from duotone but the thing is um small example you know like we will always always feature plastic parts on a kite on a wing because plastic itself is not a bad material at all whatsoever plastic is fantastic it's just the way we're dealing with it and um, it, it starts with the entire supply chain so we we are we developed an, a new modular system for all the plastic bits and pieces for all the plastic parts starting with the valve discs, the valve, the clips, inflation valve, dump valve, handles, this, whatever, everything you yeah. see on the kite. We reinvented the mold, with, which is like the aluminium block uh, for the injection molding part, is made two and a half kilometers away from our production facility. Um, it's coming from Austria, like the raw material, but it's manufactured basically here. And the injection molding um, is taking place 25 kilometers away from us um, in a company which is um, owned by Germans working for the automotive industry. And this is just a level where you have on one side the best quality you can look for. The supply chain is extremely short. Like you can't get it even shorter. Like I try to make it even short <laughs> in the future, but it is it is the shortest thing you can do. And then um, I have the chance because I'm I'm talking to very high level skilled motivated companies. Uh, we are able to find new ways for using recycled materials on one side. So our clips 
which are um, made of PA6, for example, or PA12, are 100% from recycled material. And I know because I have seen the process, uh, process of recycling. So in this regard, in, 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 in terms of the industry telling you that everything is recycled, I personally do not trust anybody. Yeah. You know, because it is so easy to get a certificate, to get like a sticker on saying it's recycled. So I don't trust anyone. And my vision, my goal is ultimately to find enough um, partners which are going to change the industry like bit by bit. Um, our next mission is besides building the, the, the manufacturing side um, is to have our own recycling plant. Yeah, um, I have talked to the government um, a couple of times and the goal is to get PET bottles recycled, crashed. Um, uh, and then you basically, of course, with the crashed material, you do the fiber and then you go to the weaving looms and then you create your own material, which is maybe not 100% white, you know, but due to the fact that we have digital printing, then we are just like closing the loop, you know, like, and, and, I, and I feel it is so fascinating. And this is really, really my personal goal to be the first in the industry, which is, which can prove, 100% prove that your backpack was a bottle maybe three days ago. Yeah. And, okay. you know, and, and really, and everybody can come and visit me and, and can have a proof of what I'm actually doing. So this is my, this is the real vision. And um, it's it's a big achievement. It's funny that never no one really tried to do this because technically it is possible. Um, but maybe it is necessary to have such a lifestyle-driven sport. And I really do hope that I'm also able to, yeah, to explain my vision to as many people as ever possible, so that I'm able to find the one or the other guy which is going to join my journey. Yeah, and it's interesting because you say when we talk about plastic on a kite. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would not think there's any plastic on a kite just because you just it's, it's made of material. It's not. But actually, when you think about all the little clips and, yeah. you know, all the little things to close each strut off on the bladder tubes and the same on the wings and the valve and stuff, there is quite a lot of plastic. And, you know, we chatted a lot about materials yesterday. And why is it that all kite brands don't just use recycled plastic? Because that's a really easy win to do that. And it's something that you're championing. But, you know, these brands, and a lot of them do claim to be sustainable. You know, some mm. claim the sustainability more than others. I wouldn't say any of them have claimed to be totally sustainable. Mm. Um, you know, no one's been that bold, but some of them are offsetting things and things like that. Surely using recycled plastic as an industry is an easy win, or is it hard to do? No. But the funny thing is, Ru, that the grade of complexity is just too big, you know. And we had a chat now, as we said yesterday, about why the things are so weird at the moment like why the world is so weird why the politicians are nuts crazy yeah. <laughs> nuts, you know like close to mentally disabled as i would describe it and because of the grade of complexity it is so difficult to understand how a product is made it is it is sometimes even not possible to understand the supply chain and um this is it you know like i, I really Whatever I do, whatever I touched, whatever I, I did in my career, I really want to get to the source of the problem. And I'm like something inside me drives me to the point that I have to solve a problem once I have realized that there is a problem. And you need a lot of effort and you need a lot of knowledge, 
uh, yeah, knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, of knowledge and network. Yeah. You know, this is, I'm always talking about the magic triangle in the future to create the, the product of the future. And the triangle contains the designer, the material supplier, and the manufacturing techniques or the manufacturer. And you have to close this magic triangle to invent. And if you're not able to do this, if you just copy, if you just go for to, let's say, to a manufacturing side and say like, okay, this is my kite design file, make something out of it. Then you don't understand what is actually behind it. You just, you, you just see a split of the picture, a split of the truth, basically, of the complexity behind. And as I have been involved since really 26 years in the entire circle, I really try to connect these points together. I try to, to close the loop of the, of the magic triangle. And by only doing this and being in the industry for so long, I think it is possible to, to, get, to find the right partners. It is also the right timing. Yeah. 10 years ago, it, was, it would have been impossible. And it is funny, even half a year ago, just imagine, just half a year ago, talking to some of the suppliers, when I'm mentioning that I'm looking for sustainable materials, recycled yarns, they said like, that's a great idea, but no one is asking for you. You are the first. It's like, how on earth is this possible? How on earth is it possible that I'm the first asking you for recycled yarns? It's just, you, you must be kidding, you know? But it's the truth. And well, I, I just see that it is absolutely possible. It will take some time, um, but it doesn't matter whatever I can change now I'm changing now whatever type of money I'm putting in and it is quite a huge investment I'll make sure that I found the sweet spot between all the possible variables it's kind of interesting talking about the recycled plastics as well it's not just using the materials it's redesigning you know we spent a lot of time looking at the clips and the tube connectors and the bladder connectors yesterday and to give you an idea it's you know, it's, it's completely redesigning how they are used to use less material, which might seem, oh, you're only using a couple of millimeters less on each side. But when you scale that up over 100,000 units or something mm -hmm. like that, not only is that a saving in material wastage, because that extra material is just wasted, so it's a sustainable footprint, but it just brings the weight of the product down as well, yes. because all those little bits, they all add up. And in an industry where you know, people are striving to use new materials to save weight and things like that. It kind of gives you an idea of the level of detail that Ralph's gone into. And he mentioned there, you know, recycled yarns. It mm -hmm. comes right down to the way that you're, you know, using the yarns and the way that you're stitching. You showed me some of the machines that you've got that, you know, no one else has because they can use the, the least amount of yarn, but with the strongest stitching yep. in the most accurate way. So yep. it's, you know, the level of detail, I can't, I don't think I'll ever really be able to get to convey it unless you're lucky enough to come and visit um, Ralph's facility. But it's amazing, you know, how much thought has gone into every little aspect of it and what they're looking at. And then, you know, when we come back to the sort of production facility and go around it, you've got the cutting tables, obviously, which, mm. you know, are designed to sort of minimize wastage. Clearly. And then moving on from there, you've got the CNC machines and everything else. But they've also got right at the back, uh, an area where they build a lot of their own machinery. Oh yeah. So Ralph is coming up with ideas of how they want to do things, and currently there isn't 
the machinery to mm -hmm. facilitate that. So you guys are actually developing it yourselves, aren't you? Totally, 100%. I mean, this is also one of the core aspects about... Okay, maybe we have to mention that at the moment we run the Brainchild Laboratory and the yeah. laboratory is a 1,100 square meter production, like a laboratory facility. And it's not only that we are making or developing new techniques and manufacturing technologies, we also, we are big enough with 1,000 square meter and we are equipped with everything we need to, to make, let's say, potentially we can make 7,500 to 10,000 wings. So we are training or simulating, it's not training, it's a simulation of a bigger production because only then you can actually calculate also like if your efficiency is correct, if like how the material wastage looks like and so on. So the laboratory, which no one has ever done before, like a thousand square meter laboratory, uh, it's over two million euros investment and quite a lot of running cost, just to ensure that we are creating the, the chain, which is then scaled up for the manufacturing side, which is called brainchild manufacturing. And I showed you yesterday the, the, the plots over there. Yeah. We have in total, in total, like right now, 11,000 square meter, applying for another 30,000 to 40,000 square meter in an industrial area where we are going to um, build a 10,000 square meter, so one to 10 scale. 10,000 square meter fully equipped solar panel um, facility to basically um, yeah, do the, the real side of manufacturing. Yeah. Scaling, yeah, everything, scaling up. everything up. Exactly. And then also having the, the possibilities to build the recycling plant next to it, to have the injection molding dire directly next to me. And also like also other industries, you know, like because I'm also talking, of course, because of the network to other industries, to other fields which are extremely interesting. And having like this network to have like this little, let's say, campus, as I always call it, the campus which allows several industries or individual persons, like industrial designers, to basically join our vision. This is what we are trying to do. Like, I think this is quite important to mention is this, it's not about only focusing on one specific area because we have been developing core technologies which can be applied for other industries as well. Yeah? What I need is I need motivated, highly skilled people from wherever in the world, doesn't matter, you know, which are willing to join us in that campus um, to, to, to create products of the future. This yeah. is pretty much what we try to do. And um, talking about the seams, they are, well, we, we found the technologies where you don't need seams. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is incredible. It's going to be one of my, my next points to bring up. And, um, you know, Ralph has shown me some of the products that they've created. And you might have seen a few pictures of them in, you know, in a month's time or so when we published the article and stuff. We definitely will have done. And not only do they look visually stunning, it's not about, you know, how they look and, how they're designed and the materials that are used. It's, you know, the the pro world, I think you've given it yeah, the moniker of, yeah. um, is bonkers. And Ralph gave me this leading edge and he's like, <laughs> oh, you know, pick up this leading edge. What do you notice about it? And I was sort of looking at it and I was like, well, there's only one seam on it. There's a leading edge closing, closing seam, seam and that's it. And every other segment, and if you, if you think about your wing or your kite, you know, every segment to give it that arch is stitched and overlapped and sewn and you get this, 
ballooning effect and you've created something completely different. Yeah, well, we have the Pro Weld, which is literally um, the connection between the individual panels are welded together. Uh, I'm not saying how I do this because it took me only 13 years to figure it out. <laughs> I made a pat patent in 2009. Wow. Yeah, so 45 pages, basically, and I described everything. I can show you the later this because it's, it's yeah. quite funny because in 2009 I had the vision yeah. to basically have the stitched free product for sails, paragliders, kites, but it just took me so long, 13 years to actually really yeah, uh, find the right materials, find the right machinery um, and also yeah, having the time to put this effort also into it because it just goes if you if you want to create something like this you need the sources, the resources for it, the money and everything. So it took a bit longer than expected, <laughs> actually. But uh, I think the result is quite uh, impressive in, in many regards, because the, this technology, not only that you save weight, but you, the connection is much stronger in terms of structural stiffness. Yeah. So, well, the last three, four years we have been working heavily at Duoton on um, creating new materials. The SLS products featuring the Penta TX and we have the D-Lab featuring the Alua material. And there is so much potential in new materials that the combination of new manufacturing technologies and new materials is going to lead to different and new products. Yeah. So it's not that it's like, sorry to say, it's not like windsurfing, sorry to say, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone, but in this regard, we, we are actually just opening up a new chapter within the industry for wings and kites, you know, like I'm convinced that the look and feel will change forever and that we are, that we also may be opening up new market fields, even, even by attracting more people being able to join the sport because the products will be lighter they will be on a different price point and i'm not meaning that will that they will be more expensive because it's not my intention to make the kites more expensive i want to make the kites and the wings more accessible for everyone you know like i want to create products people are able to enjoy so it's it's a different it's a different approach like that's kind of my part of my vision what i have and how i see Hopefully the market is going to develop, it is sustainable, but it's also at the very same time highly technology driven, you know, because this is this is something which goes perfectly hand in hand. Yeah. 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 I mean it's it's amazing when you look at it and I think you were showing me one of the backpacks that you're making. Mm -hmm. When we talk about those, these are kind of either backpacks for people that want to put things in or for kites and wings and that kind of a, a backpack and and the first thing around is oh you know what do you think of this where the material changes color and i was just like oh yeah so you've printed one bit of color there and another bit of color there and it was like no no that's a seam and you honestly can't feel hmm, where the seam is because yeah. it's Love with the finger which is quite yeah, crazy which yeah. is it's really <laughs> quite mind-blowing and 
Ralph touched on it a second there, you know, it's not just the saving of the weight, because if you think of all the stitching that goes into a kite or a wing, that's a lot of material, and oh, that yeah. weighs something. Oh, yeah, a lot. So actually. you've reduced that completely, but it's the, the stiffness of it, mm. because you haven't punched a load of holes in that material to join it together, so it hasn't been, you know, its integrity hasn't been compromised, which is a big factor, but it's almost just becomes like one piece of material, which then retains the stiffness properties of the original piece of material. It, and it's, it, it, 100%. Yeah, you put it perfectly together. It actually is kind of one piece in the end, even it does have segments. And um, the leading edge closing seam is the only seam where we do purposely apply a seam, because if we would not do this, then it is it would be very difficult um, to do the repairs. Yeah. So it is, of course, it must be a kind of a logic and strategy for us to say, yes, we have a different, a new product but it still can be repaired once you're at the holidays or whatever and you go to a repair shop, it's still, you can open up the leading edge and patch it. You know, like this is a very um, big aspect of it, but uh, ultimately, who knows yeah. to what everything is going to lead to, you know, like um, this is now the next level and um, yeah, we, now we have to learn to, to, to apply these techniques everywhere where we see potential. Uh, but this is definitely, it is the beginning and not the end. So yeah. I think it is a very, very positive, um, very motivation, or like there's a lot of motivation for me also to push these things further because I don't see a limit. Yeah, and that leading edge closing seam, even that is completely different to a <laughs> normal leading edge closing seam. You know, and it looks, you look at one and, and you go, Oh, that's been done by a professional. <laughs> look at the other one and go, eh, it doesn't look so tidy. So, yeah, it, it's well, I rethought all everything. Just like there's, as you mentioned, the machineries we are using, I mean, on one side, they are very expensive. It's clear and it's, it's a kind of investment. And of course, it's also a risk from my personal side to put like this kind of money on the table uh, and hoping for uh, a return of investment. But if you want to change the things like for real, like in every single aspect, then you have to do this, you know, like uh, like what Elon Musk is doing. Uh, love him or hate him, but it doesn't matter. I mean, he's one of the very few visionaries in the world which have changed things um, for real uh, in a scale that is unbelievable for a single human being. And you have to take the risk, you know, like and. We are just using the best machineries available to create the best possible outcome and to set the standard and also to see like where this is actually going to lead us. You know, as I said, like the machines we are using are quite expensive yeah. in comparison to, to, to normal machinery. It's like even a, f a factor from 1 to 20, 1 to 25. Yeah. It's, it's insane actually. But on the other side, if you don't have it, if you don't understand it, then you won't be able to join that movement, and um, it is it is always a fa very fascinating game of ping pong. You know, you have the technique, then you're changing the material, then you change the material, and then you say like, oh, I changed the technology, and so it's a fantastic upward spiral in the end, um, where everything is possible. You know, like this is this it just opens up a completely new field. And as I said, not only for our wind-driven sport, but this kind of technology and this kind of synergies which are then going to be explored in the future 
will open up potential corporations with other companies and that's pretty much as I said like this is what I'm looking for with creating this kind of campus and um, talking about the machinery it's not just you know super high-tech this place I've not, not been in a facility I've been in a few over the years but I've never been anywhere quite like it but it's not just the machinery it's the people who operate the mm. machinery and you know you've got a really good initiative locally to mm. train people up with the vision of the brainchild production production facility needing you know, I think you said 200 people mm. just sewing. running the sewing machines yeah, you yeah. know so 200 people total. just doing the sewing machines mm. and what's your sort of vision with that yeah first of all I mean oh, it's a long story but the thing is I mean I have been working many years in the industry and when I started my career um, I had no financial background, you know, like no support. And it was very difficult for me in the, let's say, the first 10 years of my career to achieve the things because um, I was not treated fair. Let's put it this way, you know, like I'm not crying about it. Absolutely not. I'm not the type of guy, but it was not fair. Absolutely not. So what I try is to treat like my employees and everyone which is involved in the entire supply chain fair with participation systems. Uh, my workers are really well paid. Like there's no other job in the country in that field of sewing where they get this type of money. And of course, you know, like I'm very demanding. Um, so I'm selecting the people very carefully. We have opened a sewing school here in Bitola where we just training people like they can have sewing lessons and that's for free, free, isn't it? Yeah, for, yeah free, for free, for free. So, and, and even they don't want to join us. It doesn't matter, you know. Like it doesn't matter. They can, they they have a four weeks course. They can come. They have, they whatever. They can start their own business by sewing whatever clothing or so. I don't care. I just want to ensure that that I'm in the end able to find the right people, which do understand the level of quality I'm actually looking for and. I mean, we had so funny situations here when I built the facility, uh, the construction manager who did it, he was laughing at me, you know, he was laughing at me. He's, <clears throat> he always said that I'm the crazy German and why I do this, why, why I do try to make the things look good, you know, why do I spend so much money on a heating system, which is ecologically friendly, why I do this, it's stupid. You know, and now uh, a year later, he's coming and he's saying, yeah, yeah, now he's also putting the solar panels on, on the roof of his house. Yeah. Yeah. So and you can see like how much you're able to influence the people if if you're just like doing it, you know, pushing it in a positive way. And, you know, and if they love if they love about me, f fair enough, as, as I see half a year or a year later, they don't do anymore. And uh, I think this is very motivation. No, how you say that? Yeah, guess? motivating. Yeah. yeah, motivating. Sorry, that's all right. <laughs> Some Your English is way better than my German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do see that as a compliment. <laughs> um, and this is like the people are very proud of what they are doing. You know, they're very proud, and they ha they can be really proud, and um, because it was difficult very difficult in the beginning they all came from a different background they came from like the, the normal garment industry like making t-shirts clothing whatever and there it's all about output and of course at the end you know like we also have to be uh, highly efficient no question about it but we do it with 
the best machinery, for example, because this is also a huge part of the efficiency in general when you look to all the variables within a production setup. So they are paid well, they are very motivated, um, and if you don't have this, you will not find the people which are um, capable of solving difficult problems. And if you want to invent, it's all about solving difficult problems. So I think I have a pretty good setup at the moment. Uh, I think I found really good um, partners within the supply chain. It's astonishing, I have to say. Unbelievable. It would not be possible to have this in Asia. Absolutely not, because we are here in the heart of Europe. We have a European mindset. And there's a lot of automotive going on. So there's a lot of high standard technology available. And um, it's just a great place to to distribute uh, also the, the products then once they are finished to the world. You know, we have Thessaloniki two and a half hours away, which is a port in Greece. You can ship it from there. But uh, the mainland Europe um, is easy to reach with a, with, with a truck and hopefully uh, ecologically friendly one, <laughs> which is not which is possible totally yeah, in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's it's worth just touching on, you know, what Ralph was talking about there. Having walked around um, the brainchild laboratory and he's saying about his construction manager saying, why are you building this? I and mean, one of the things that, you know, I was shown was the kitchen area for the staff, which, you know, isn't like a little staff kitchen at the back that's, you know, small and pokey with a fridge in it. It's this huge, you know, it could be a really smart restaurant, essentially. Mm, yeah. It's got gigantic bifold doors that open out onto a lovely garden with this incredible view. And it comes down to that thing of you can use the most sustainable products. You can be, you know, reduce your carbon footprint as much as possible. You can do all these things. But if you treat your workers like rubbish, mm. then is that really sustainable? Because it's a people angle as well. You know, you need to be looking after these people. And like Ralph says, he's paying them more than, you know, the going rate locally and making sure they've got a nice working environment and initiating training programs for them, which I think is, you know, a massive slice of the pie that often gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you'd say that's probably fair to to say that that is the case in a lot of production facilities. You know, workers aren't getting the best deal, and that's what's difficult. Not necessarily in the kite industry, but you know, just in general, you know, people don't treat their workers as they should. So it's nice to see someone really focused on the workforce. It's a it's a little bit of a question of who's operating and who's ruling a production facility. It's like a, a question of generations. I really think, I really do believe. And if you look to the production managers, which are ruling the biggest production facilities in our field, they have all the exact same age, <laughs> funnily. And they all do the exact same things. So um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit younger. Yeah. <clears throat> Not really young anymore, but um, I have seen quite a lot of bad things, I have to say. And I know that it's um, ah, not okay. Generally, absolutely not. Because as I mentioned, you know, like everybody, everyone, everybody wants to be treated fair. And uh, well, I think it's, it's just part of the mission, you know, and <clears throat> I do pay more money uh, on one side. And it is my job to ensure that the product, the cost of the product is not exploding because if the product price the retail price to my customers would be insanely high then I won't it would not be um, yeah, able to sell it's, I would not be competitive in that field so I have to be let's say I don't want to say more clever but I have to take more caution more care about 
how to set up my infrastructure to reduce the labor time. Yeah. You know, like I have, I have to reduce labor to ensure that the labor which I'm able to spend can be spent wisely. I mean, that's it, what I do, you know, like that's the reason why we are developing our own machineries, literally everything on, on with 3D printers. Yeah. You know, like very complex machines. They're all 3D printed in our facility. And this is like, like kind of a mindset. <clears throat> of course, first of all, you have to know the knowledge. You have to have it, you know, but you have to find the right people which are capable to make an idea come true. Um, but once, and I think I found the right setup, once you have it, then you are approaching problems in a completely different way. Completely. And I think I do exactly the opposite from all the other manufacturers in the world right yeah. now. Yeah, it's impressive to see. And it's the it's the level of detail. I mean, it's just sort of another little piece. On one side of the factory, there's this really nice wooden wall, wall. you know, which is like, it's a factory. It's normally a concrete wall with breeze mm. blocks or whatever. There's a wooden wall and then on it are just these huge gigantic images which make the place feel you know quite welcoming and like quite a nice working environment but even more than that all the pictures are from Macedonia and the idea is to make the workers proud of where they come from and Absolutely. to see what a beautiful country they yeah. live in and so it's these little you know you talk about attention to detail from shaving off a little piece of recycled plastic mm. on something there to you know putting up pictures on the wall that can inspire your workers to be proud of where they live and everything else it's it's really kind of a whole production approach which is really really impressive so to see it is amazing and then the finished products hmm. i mean that's when we get to the end of the tour the finished products are just incredible absolutely incredible i would say they are quite different yeah i think they're quite different and the funny part is if you're standing to like a product which is sold currently and then you're standing up to the the product of the future you you believe that the gap is 50 years yeah i, I would say like oh whatever you know, like let's say 20 years well, more than that because it is it is so diff it is really it's a different look and feel it's a different as you said like um they are um, on one side they are reduced um, to what is necessary, like trying to be a, like really a smart design. But on the other side, due to the digital printing, just everything is possible. Everything is possible. And it becomes art. It's not only... Yesterday we had to talk about Aston Martin, you yeah. know, and the Vantage. Uh, the Vantage from 2005 to 2000, what was it, 15 or so. And it is... For me, they have not created a car because there are so many cars. It has four wheels, an engine and a driving wheel, a steering wheel, sorry. But in the end, it is art. It is art. And this is something I tried, I always had in mind to say, like, it's not only a car, but it's also art. Because then, once it's art, you can have artists creating art on one side and you have designers, industrial engineers creating the product. So you basically start to combine different fields. And due to the fact that we are not limited to special editions, we can make one-offs, you know, like it doesn't matter. And the funny thing is we had these two wings. Yeah. We cannot say which brand it is, but we have this, these two wings sitting next to each other. And it was the identical wing, but you could not tell them apart. Like this is, this is they, they looked so different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the optical um, um, exposure impression that this is actually what it's all about you know like it is the ability to 
create a different image together with the back which is matching um, yeah i mean it's the whole <coughs> package it's nuts when you look at the finished wings that Ralph's made. I mean, it's it's almost like they're from the future. Yeah. <laughs> You're sort of like, well, when can I get my hands on one of those? Because it just looks so much better. And he's got a little area where you know they've they've got the wings that they've made that are completed. And there's one of the the sort of the most high end wings you could buy, I guess, from another brand. And when you look at them, it's just it's just chalk and cheese you know it's just completely yeah. like one one you look at and you, and you go this is like the pinnacle of wings that are on the market right now and you look at the products that Ralph's creating and it's like well it's just it's on a whole other ballpark you know it's, it's another planet it's just absolutely yeah. out of this world what's being done and you know it's not just that he's saying you know you've got the bag that then matches the wing so mm. you know because you can digitally print it because you're not limited to materials and whether you've got the right color swatches or anything it's just you know everything's white you can color it however you want so you can then tie in that and you can even have the board shorts that match your wing and match your bag you know if you so wish and do all these limited runs and you were saying you know we won't mention any names but one of ralph's biggest focuses at the moment is finding the partners that are mm. going to come on board because yeah. obviously he can only do so much but in the future he needs to be filling his forty thousand square foot production facility <laughs> with customers that are buying wings from him and it's really interesting because you know if someone comes and if if you are from one of the brands you listen to this and you're interested in what ralph's doing for sure get in touch with him but he can make you a custom wing like it, I think you said it was a few hours or something it took to start yeah, a day. So in one day, they can make a branded wing. And yeah. I, I was looking at these wings go, wow, I really like the look of, you know, X brand's new wing. It looks super stylish. That's really cool. And they're like, no, no, we designed it in-house. We made it. And so when the brand manager came, he could see what the product could potentially look like. And I think that's a really unique aspect, which also comes on to, you know, in the future, we talked a little bit about it. But if you're wanting to prototype, you know, normally the prototyping process, the designer will design something in CAD, they send it off to the factory, the factory makes the prototype, the prototype gets run off a production line when they've got time to make the prototypes because often the production line's really busy and it's running and you have to wait for your prototyping moment. And then it gets shipped from Asia all the way back to Europe or wherever you're testing and then you have to use it. Whereas here you can literally, you know, make a prototype in a day and, and change things quite quickly, which potentially means that the sport can progress faster. Oh yeah, it does because there are like a couple of aspects to it. For example, normally what you do as a designer, you you create the wing and then a graphic designer jumps in once you are finished with the product and then you throw the color and whatever the panel design as we call it on it and we can do it in one shot. So it is both, you know, because it is once it is a piece of art then the art itself becomes as important as the product itself in certain ways you know like because this is the it's a usp absolutely like let's have a look at the automotive industry all these cars volkswagen for example they have multiple brands they have volkswagen skoda seat it's always the same base is the identical base of the car, the identical engine, the identical everything, just the chassis varies. So what we do is like we give the the brands the opportunity to create not only the design, like the technical design, but also being able to progress much stronger when it comes to the optical appearance. 
And I can tell you this is going to change the industry massively, even maybe even more than the technical aspects of it, because it is lifestyle and you do want to have the cool wing. I want to have it. Yeah. Yeah. And they do look you yes. know, ridiculously <laughs> exactly. good. Like it is yeah. mind blowing Blowing. Yeah. compared to, you know, when you're using different color for panel layouts mm. and the kind of graphics that you can screen print on in small areas. I mean, this is literally like the whole wing. and we'll have a little video that we're going to film later of some close-ups of how yep. it looks. So if you're listening to this and going, oh, I want to see it, then for sure, you know, look out for the video that we'll be releasing and the article in the magazine. Um, and then being in Europe is probably mm. a big factor oh, in yeah. sustainability because oh, you're yeah. not shipping materials and products. Like you were saying, most of the materials <laughs> are sourced in Europe. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the European market is the biggest. So your mm -hmm. products aren't going to travel very far at all. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I mean, good example, for example, the, everything, all the inflatable products, they do contain a bladder. Yeah. Because this is keeping the air and it creates the, the structure. So, and there's actually there, well, there are multiple companies creating the bladder material, but the biggest brands in the industry is they're using bladder, which is produced in Germany. And then they ship the bladder to Asia to manufacture it let's say for two hours and then they put it back and they ship it back to to europe and that's quite crazy actually this is really crazy so what we do is like we try to source all all our main components from europe there will be still components coming from asia because there are literally some some parts not available there's not the technology available in europe not yet maybe in 10 years maybe Maybe one a little area of the forty thousand square meter available area will then will be occupied by uh, a material um, so supplier, not yeah. only the recycled one but also high tech materials. And yeah, a canopy material coming from France, you know, like and, and I think this is a huge achievement. And yes, it is more expensive. That's true, but in the end, um, we have to come up with clever ways of shipping. We are saving quite a lot of shipping costs. And um, I, am, I know that we will be still competitive yeah. for the package we are creating to our customers. And Because um, that's worth mentioning, isn't it? You know, we're talking about all these amazing things and people are probably sitting there going, oh, what's it going to cost? Especially mm. in a year where the price of mm. products has just gone ridiculous, you know, yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, but what you're trying to do is, is where you might be using more expensive materials, you've reduced your labor time because you've automated certain areas and, yeah. you know, you've reduced your wastage because everything's yeah. white and you're doing digital oh, yeah. printing. And so it kind of, you're saying it comes out, it's not, you know, for the, for the customer, the brand that wants mm. to buy, you know, 20,000 wings or whatever, it's not a huge increase in price no. over what they're currently paying, right? For as products that, by all intents and purposes, is is not eco-friendly mm. and not good for the environment. That's manufactured miles away on the other side of the earth. That has to be shipped around and stuff like that. So that's quite an achievement. You must be quite proud of that. Well, I will be proud of that if everything turns out the way I'm looking <laughs> for. You know, like this is it's too a bit too early because I mean, I'm proud. Is it's a hard work. I'm I'm not really proud of this thing i'm happy yeah. you know like for example if if there are people on the beach um and they are happy of kite surfing you know like and and they're coming from the water with a big uh, smile on on their face then i'm happy that i made a good job 
actually because um, I'm, I'm something inside myself is forcing me to work quite hard I would say I'm a very hard worker as you said involved in many different projects and it's um, it's more than a passion I just I have to do that I don't know why you know I, I cannot stop it and um, um, the vi the vision is quite big and I'm yeah I'm happy about the achievements we have done so far definitely I see that um, we have made big big steps yeah and maybe I will be proud in 10 years when I have been able to to change the entire industry forever maybe it's it's possible let's see only time will tell but it's definitely my goal um, to to find the right amount of people the right amount of partners which do share my vision and that's definitely the hardest one I mean we I found a private investor which is covering uh, or would potentially cover pretty much the entire investment of the manufacturing side but I want to have industrial partners coming from the industry and we have to like I really would like to select the right ones and I'm quite sure there are the right ones out there um, but yeah let's see this is um, I'm, I'm luckily luckily I'm in a position that I'm not stressed because there is the financial backing from from my end and also from the investor but ultimately um, I really do hope that I'm getting the right partners on board to yeah. to make the difference. And one, you mentioned your vision there, something that we sort of chatted about yesterday. And the whole approach to Brainchild is very different because you have factories in Asia traditionally, and um, that's where they are, and they don't get talked about very much. Hmm. You know, and it's not like the factory is promoting what they do and. We all know that some brands are made in the same factory. So while mm. you might be buying brand X and you've got brand Y, they're you know essentially made right next door to each other, you know, by the same people. Um, but obviously, it's not really talked about. And your vision for Brainchild is kind of to to market it and to actually promote it and to create a want among the people and the people that do these sports where they want a product that is created by Brainchild because they know it's going to be better and from the future and sustainably made and we want people to buy into that that's quite a unique vision I think to have yeah, it, like, it is it is as I said like I try to do the exact opposite from everybody else and look um, you have to talk about sustainability you have to you have to showcase what you're doing because the world is too complicated too complex to actually believe someone you know if you believe that you're going to save the world because you're driving an electric car Jesus <laughs> yeah that's it's really bad because the intention is there that the people do have some of the people really do have the intention to do the things better uh, but then purchasing a 2.8 ton electric vehicle which could actually power an entire city just to get you from A to B is not only ridiculous it's crazy and it's going to kill the world even faster by by such a huge margin and so we have we have to present our findings in a certain way you know you know like I, I, I have to talk about the things I'm doing and I also want to prove that I'm able to actually make that change and um, yeah, I have to promote myself in, in this regard. And we will heavily promote Brainchild as a manufacturing brand. Um, also to, to partner with our 
brands, with our partnering brands, to give them the support to prove that we are doing the things in a different way. It's yeah. about proving, and it's not about purchasing certificates. This yeah. is really this is this all CO two compensating. Sorry to say, and excuse my French, shit, which is going <laughs> on. It's a criminal offense. Actually, yeah. it is criminal. And when you're looking to the industry, which is um, into recycling, they say the worst thing what happened in the last 20 years is that someone came up with the CO2 compensation yeah. advertising campaign or let's say idea because this is the easiest way to cheat. Yeah, and to not actually be sustainable. Yeah. You just it's, pay someone to plant a few trees. That, yeah. and, I mean, you read the horror stories about that stuff as well. You know, well, are the trees being planted? Are they putting, no. you know, mangroves into wherever? No. You know, half the time they they buy all the trees, they stick them in the ground, and they die <laughs> because they don't look after them, or they put them in the wrong soil, or whatever. So it is a real, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, the whole greenwashing aspect is so so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad because, you know, like how should how should someone out there how should he know yeah they don't they, they, how you put your you know? trust into the yes. brands that you buy from, yes right? yes yes you're so trusting that they've made all the decisions yeah. and are doing the best yeah. they possibly can for the yeah. environment because they put a little green logo on it and yeah. say whatever but yeah the co2 yeah. compensation thing yeah. it's, is... it's a marketing campaign uh, a campaign and this campaign is highly successful but it's actually killing the entire aspect of really diving into these complicated aspects and trying to change the things for real and that's the reason why we say stop co2 compensation start saving for real yeah. you know because it's, it is yeah it is so much more complicated what we are doing uh, so 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 much more than just uh, purchasing something yeah. with it with it which has a green logo on it and yeah that's the reason why we have to promote ourselves we will promote ourselves and uh I really do hope that we are kind of a lighthouse um, idea, vision, and that uh, hopefully, hopefully, other people will follow us um, to make the things just starting to make the things a bit better. Yeah, and one thing we haven't really touched on is the actual physical materials mm. that you're using to make, you know, the canopies and the leading edges and stuff like that. That's an area in the water sports industry that's really changing at mm. the moment. You know, it seems to be the real sort of step change with materials like Penta TX and Alula coming along and saving weight and things like that. And you're probably one of the best people to speak to <laughs> in terms of knowing what's Maybe. out there and what works. <laughs> but, you know, what what are you seeing coming from the future? Where are you seeing are wings going to be made from X-ply? Are they going to be made from Alula? Mm. Like, what's, what's the sort of future hold, do you think? Well, we have different kind of futures. Like we, we definitely have a strong tendency that we are looking heavily into recycled materials. This is one aspect. So and that's the actual canopy, the dacron, yes. things like that. So those... first of all, it will be the canopy, and I think this is already quite a nice achievement, really, yeah. um, to to say that whatever, for example, forty percent, fifty percent of the yarn is 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 used from recycled sources but as i said you know like in the end my vision is to do everything in-house because technically it is possible and only if i do it with my own hands i can actually step up and say like i, I can prove that it has been done correctly and it really has been recycled from the bottle to the fabric so this is really the vision but i'm not saying that i'm not trusting our suppliers i think our suppliers are really 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 cool in this regard and really also do see the, the need of change. So 
yeah coming back to your question is there's one side it's the recycled yeah. side of it let's say to to take the existing technologies and flight properties or material properties and then flight properties converting them into more sustainable products this is yeah. one aspect and then you have the second one where it is absolutely undecided what type of materials we are going to have in the future because this is highly depending on the welding technology yeah i would say because uh, the material it, weight itself is actually not the most important variable it is the weight of the finished product yeah and that's basically where you have to put all the bits and pieces together it's the sum of all these variables and this is the reason why we're like reinventing every little bit and piece um, just to ensure that the overall um, consumption of material the overall weight is reduced as to a, to to an absolutely minimum and we have technologies where we can use let's say classical materials but we are um, achieving weights which are 10% heavier than the lightest available products on the market but on a totally different price point so I think that's a huge revolution in the industry when you look to the technology we are able to apply and um, yeah I think even I'm I'm kind of undecided in which direction it goes if it's x-ply if it's laminates if it's um, woven fabrics there are always pros and cons to everything yeah. you know like really to everything and also when you look at the price I mean of course um, I'm in a very very lucky position that um, we have been using to able to use the Alua material for Duotron I mean the, the juice D-Lab, for example, I, I do believe that this is the benchmark in light wind kites and next year we will have another step in this regard. So it is very important to have this development, these huge steps going on. Um, but I also know from the design work and development work we have done at Brainchild that we will find solutions to use cheaper material and being able to achieve the same output in terms of flight characteristics and I think this is a massive step because these products are very expensive um, it because they are expensive they are really extremely expensive it's really complicated to manufacture yeah but my personal goal is to reduce the price to allow more people to access to this kind of high-tech product yeah which is really important especially at the moment when prices are so crazy through the roof, yeah. you know and it it's, yeah. it's going to be an interesting year for the industry I think where you know are people going to swallow those prices or are they going to you know instead of buying three kites they're only going to buy one because the price has gone up so much and it's it's one of those things you know prices are going up for everything so yes. you know raw materials yeah. energy everything's getting more expensive so you can <clears> understand why the prices are having to go up but I guess sadly the world's in a place where wages aren't doubling so you know yeah. that's the tricky thing so it's yeah, not you know, yet maybe. yeah not yet hopefully <laughs> at some point in the future but it's yeah it's not it's it's good to see somebody that's keeping an eye on the, yeah. the price of the final product yeah. in mind and recognizing that you know it's not a blank checkbook as to what someone is going to pay sure there will be people that want the latest Alula kite in the most fantastic material with the Porsche logo on it or whatever it might be in the future um, and they'll happily pay a huge premium for that but you still got to remember we need to get people in at the bottom level of the sport the, the, the thing is that I mean we have to be extremely fair in this aspect and um, as I said I'm in in, in in the position to use these materials and to create 
I would say like the most um, performant products, let's put it this way. Yeah. Um, and I'm extremely glad, extremely glad that Duotone in this particular regard um, does have the audience which are capable and able to purchase these very expensive products. Because if, if we would not have this audience, I would not be able to progress further. Yeah. You know, like it's very important. It's like having like a special edition from a car manufacturer, which is very expensive, but features technology, which then can be adapted. And yeah, trickle down. Exactly, further down the line. So it is always, like the market is always, has a left and a right boundary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I'm trying to interpolate. You yeah. know, like I try to get the information from the left edge and from the right edge, and then I'm basically trying to find the sweet spot in between, which is pretty much what we're doing with the classic SLS and D-Lab. So that's a very smart uh, way of um, dealing with different type of products and flight characteristics in general. So, um, but keeping an eye on the general aspect of making products commercially successful means that you have the best ratio between price and value. And this is what I'm trying to achieve. Like I'm very, very sensitive in these points. I'm, I'm not only a designer, as you know, you know, like I really, I mean, I'm, I own my own companies. I have been working in every single aspect of the supply chain. So I try to, I try to control all the bits and pieces as, as far as I can. Yeah. And sort of bringing it back to brainchild as a mm -hmm. whole, there's not a lot of people <laughs> that would have mm. the vision to go, mm. oh, I'm going to set up a sustainable production facility and I'm going to do it in Europe, you know. So a couple of questions in this one. Mm. Why North Macedonia? Mm -hmm. And what's been the hardest aspect of, of doing what you do? I mean, I... I know I'm not going to assume because I know you're not from North Macedonia <laughs> so it's like how do you turn up in the country and say I've got this vision I want to do this and how's it going to work so yeah why North Macedonia first and <clears throat> why Macedonia the, the thing is that it, it, it all happened by accident um, I was many years eight years back as always I have been in South Africa during the winter to develop yeah. products for Duotone back in these days for the North skateboarding yeah um, and I was paragliding at the Signal Hill, like where all the tandem pilots are flying their passengers around over Cape Town. And I met a guy from, from North Macedonia, Martin. And um, he's right now a World Cup pilot, like he's, he's definitely the best pilot in the country and one of the best pilots in the world. And he told me that he's from North Macedonia, from Macedonia, not North Macedonia, but from Macedonia. And um, I said, like, okay, Macedonia, so, phew, okay, I've seen the world quite a few <laughs> places well, back in these days. I have seen 36 countries uh, until then, and uh, I had literally absolutely no idea where not Macedonia is located. He told me it's between Greece and, and Bulgaria, and I have been in Bulgaria in my entire childhood. I learned yeah. paragliding in Bulgaria, and I told him in a kind of a funny sense, I said like, okay, between Greek and Bulgaria is Bulgaria. <laughs> but I, have, I, I do not trust you that there is another country. And yeah, I know that there's Albania on the other side and then there's Serbia. But no, sorry, you, you must be whatever, you're like making it up. 
So I googled it, of course, and it was very funny. He's a really nice guy. And uh, yeah, there's this, this little country, it's tiny, you know, the, the population is only 2 million people. And uh, when Yugoslavia split into many, many countries, as we all know, due to the Yugoslavian wars, um, Macedonia was just forgotten, literally, totally forgotten. They have no access to, to, the, to the sea. Uh, they have one of the nicest uh, nature in Europe. Yes, uh, no question. Stunning. Uh, it's stunning. Really, really, really. St it's amazing. Like everyone should travel to Macedonia, really, because it's insane. Um, and uh, yeah, he inv in, um, 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 invited me to, 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 to come over here for some paragliding. And I have to say, I fall in love with that country. It is just, it is so beautiful. And eight years ago, you had literally no modern cars driving around. You had the, the donkeys like pulling the little wagons. Yeah. yeah. And that's quite unique because it's in Europe, essentially, yes. you know. It's... It is. It was so far back in history. It was, I, I said, I'm traveling back in time for 25 to 30 years. It was ridiculous, insane. But um, the people are different, a little bit different, very, very different, different mentality than the other, like the, the normal Balkan mentality. It's a bit hard to, to get used to it, but once you, you're making friends, they are like the best friends you can potentially looking for. Like they have the heart on the right place and they're really, yeah, really, really good friends. So fantastic, actually, different, really, really different to everything you can um, experience in Western Europe. So I was always saying, man, this country is, deserves to, to be promoted. Yeah, and the paragliding um, made promoted Macedonia in big times. You know, like um, I, I, I'm working for for Icaro Paragliders, this this uh, paragliding brand, and we we did our entire marketing campaigns here in in North Macedonia, and we did this rebrand of the company, and I think we made quite a huge impact also in the visual. Um, yeah, let's say presentation of the brand on one side, but also featuring Macedonia on the other side. And then these days, uh, Macedonia is well known for competition. Yeah, so World Cups, European Championships and so on. So they are fantastic opportunities for flying over here. So right now the country is changing quite a lot, which is very, very positive. It is the, in the heart of Europe. Uh, it is between Greece and Albania, Bulgaria, Serbia and the Kosovo on, on one side. So it has huge potential. Um, why Macedonia? I, I had the chance to talk to some of the political uh, members of the um, of the government, for example, to the to the minister of environment, and I was really not expecting anything because we know the German and or maybe British politicians, which are. Not very good. <laughs> Idiots, exactly. Like to point it out in a precise way. And these people are coming from completely different backgrounds, like from 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 a working environment. They they have been successful uh, by by being clever and smart and doing good things in the past and not being only politicians, you know. Um, and the the support you're getting, like even if it's sometimes just like the mental support by saying, yeah, great what you're trying to achieve, really, whatever, if you're f facing a problem, I'll try to help you. It's not that they always can help you because how, how it is, it's not a corrupt country, you know, like there's no shortcut. 
in here, definitely not. Things are sometimes really complicated, but it is still the, the way they, they try to fix it. They try to help and not try to stop you. So I think it's the best place I've ever experienced so far in my career and visiting so many different countries in my life. Um, I could not imagine any better place than North Macedonia. Yeah, and it, for a project like this, and it's it seems like you know it's it's on the cusp of something, isn't it? Mm. Because you've, you've got this huge road development yeah. that's going in. I mean, I drove down in a taxi yesterday, which was a very entertaining drive, <laughs> um, and I mean it was beautiful scenery. <laughs> Um, but yeah, great taxi driver, and yeah, they're building this gigantic road, and literally yeah. they're not they're not sort of going around the mountains; they're just no, going through. straight <laughs> through the middle, like the straightest bit is just concrete and rebar everywhere. Yeah. And there's a train station that's yeah. been built, you yeah. know, right next to where your production facility yeah. is going to be. Yeah, it's, so it's it mega. feels like the country as a whole, even though a lot of people might not have heard of it, they're kind of teeing themselves up for this big development in manufacturing, which could be at a very choice time because with shipping costs going through the roof then it makes no sense suddenly to be manufacturing in Asia so it could be a real boost for the country. The country will explode and will change its face in the next three to five years completely once again actually and it's positive you know it's positive and and, and there's a lot of potential um, as long as you have the motivation and that's all about you know like there's no depression like we were seeing, especially in, in Germany, you know, like this is it's just the end of it, you know, like who's going to start a new company in Germany? Who's stupid enough to do so? You know, like you will not find the people because it's just, it's the end of the line, really. So um, every society has its up and its downs. It, it, and, and, and I think it's just a very motivating time being here and trying to be trying to be a part of it you know like of, of a positive um, influence and yeah only time will tell you know like, like I, I'm not able to predict the future even if I try to <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm in the end I'm not able to do so um, and and let's see yeah this is I think once you're here and once you also see the beauty of the nature and the the will of the people to change it's it's a fantastic combination yeah so and at the moment we've got brainchild laboratory which yeah. is up and running yeah and you know that's capable of producing 10,000 wings 10,000 wings which is a huge number it's actually not but, but it's not it's not <laughs> it's, it's a not tiny huge, but, you know but when you when you look at it but in a year's time you're hoping or yeah. you're planning yeah not hoping planning no, is the word planning. to use with Ralph it doesn't yeah. hope for anything he just no. gets out there and does it exactly. but you're you're planning to have the 40,000 square foot it's 10,000 10,000 oh, 10, sorry but yes. the total it's 40. Yeah, the total sort of floor space that you'll have eventually is going to be 40. Yeah. But the next facility that's going to be producing, how many wings do you think? It's a, like the capacity is 100,000 100,000 wings. wings. Yeah, and will that make it one of the biggest production facilities out there? No, not really. Because if, if for example, GSL, Global Sports Lanka, um, would, would produce only wings, they could kind of achieve the same. Well, no. so, yeah, that, that they could. Though. No, no, they, would, they basically yeah. would achieve the same amount. Yeah. So it's not the biggest, but the thing is, like, that's the reason, you know, like, of course, you have to apply for these areas. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's an entire procedure. It's, it's an, an industrial area. Um, not Macedonia is not part of the European Union. So you have to pay import taxes for the raw material, which is a no-go. 
impossible you know like so you have to um, get uh, free trade agreements which yeah. all the companies have yeah of course automotive of course automotive automotive is always paying nothing yeah for anything <laughs> actually <laughs> funnily enough and um, so we we achieved basically the first to, to secure the first plot which is 11,000 square meter that's approved and the approval for uh, importing tax-free has been also approved from the government so we are now in the progress of um, of drawing the the outline of the manufacturing plant itself and the good thing is that there are so many production facilities popping up at the moment that um, there's a very good infrastructure for building this type of facilities let's say it I think the, the most difficult part will be to get the 10,000 square meter of solar panels yeah. equipped to the roof and and then the buffering yeah. of the energy, which is a massive problem because it's not easy. Like the, the electricity is not coming from the plug. Actually, I don't know if you know that. Like <laughs> the people doesn't understand where the electricity is coming from. It is really difficult to deal with 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 electricities and the peaks in in the electricity in general. So uh, that's a, that's going to be a, a huge achievement. But also there we are working with German companies, which are specialized just for running production facilities on, let's say, sustainable sources. So yeah. it's going to be every everything we do is going to be a single project because we want to do the best thing in every single regard. Um, but I'm quite sure by the end of next year, we will have the whole ready and also the machinery, which is not a big thing. If we order them now, they, it yeah. will take maybe six to nine months. But end of the year, we will have it equipped. And that's basically what we do. We have the, the capacity of 10,000 wings. We can basically supply small, small amounts to our customers to basically introduce the product to the market. And then from 2024 onwards, we are actually able to scale it up. Yeah. We're starting to scale it up. This is basically, this is this is how it will work and this is a realistic figure. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing to sort of touch on there is that it is a scaling up process, mm -hmm. right? Everything that you're doing at Brainchild Laboratory is working out the best way yeah. to make something as efficiently as possible, as well as possible using the most advanced materials so that then when Brainchild production starts up, you can literally just go, right, turn the solar power on, energy comes in, yep. production starts rolling mm -hmm. and wings start rolling off the yeah. line. Sounds ridiculous easy. Yeah. <laughs> I've um, made it sound yeah. really easy there. No, but <laughs> yes, no, no, but Rue, this is, this is it, you know, and this also varies from, from every other approach in the industry, you know, like, um, because the, the manufacturing side is so packed with orders these days, you know, like everyone, especially in, in the corona time when first you had not, no chance to go to the water but then you basically the beaches have been opening and there was such a gigantic run to to um, access to uh, to the products that all the manufacturing uh, plants have been freaking out actually because they had literally no capacities anymore yeah. and you can also see by reducing quality for example I, mean, I can see it that definitely yeah this this because one they're trying to have to ramp up fine, and the yeah. only way they can do it is it's by just skipping skipping stages, stages because, yeah, yeah exactly they're already at full production absolutely and then there's uh, they try to squeeze in they squeezed in and then yeah um, well we have we have side effects on it but anyhow the, the point is, is is really that you have to separate the laboratory 
from the manufacturing side. Manufacturing is is really like an orchestra. Yeah. You know, like and you're playing kind of the same music every day. It's the same r rhythm. You know, like when you enter a production facility and everything sounds good, and it's a, that's not a joke. If it sounds good, then it's normally it's efficient. Within the laboratory, it's like screaming noises all over the place, and that pretty much tells you already that we are trying to to figure it out how to do it best. Uh, and we always have to do at least hundred pieces for whatever to come up with the right calculation figures to estimate, to validate what we're actually um, going to have on a bigger side, on the one to ten, on the manufacturing plant. Yeah, but that's the way to that. That's it's it's a strategy. Yeah, it's a different strategy. Yeah, and it's quite unique, right? No it one is. else is doing that no, kind no. of stuff. Everyone just builds a production facility and, yeah, and then see how it goes. See how it goes and the way <laughs> they go. <laughs> um, we've been chatting for a little while there, and I know your time is very, very uh, limited because you're such a busy man. But do you think is there anything that I've missed, or do you think I've covered everything off? Is there anything that you no, sort of think? Like first of all, I'm I'm really really happy that we have this type of interviews and um, it's great actually to be in the position to talk about the things I had in mind for so many for so many years and it's really really great and I I personally do hope that uh, we we have the chance of influence yeah and I really do hope that maybe also the one or the other listener to that podcast is going to be attracted by what what I have in mind and uh, we're really looking for people sharing the same vision. It doesn't matter if it's from the industrial engineer or through other companies running the kind of the same like product or other companies or like investors or entrepreneurs which are saying like, wow, that's a great idea, you know, like because in the end it is it must be a network. Yeah. It must be. And it must be everything must be related on participation. Everyone has to participate from the goals others are setting within like let's say this group in within this campus and um, I think we well we captured it all yeah sort of I think in the end the people hopefully will have the chance to to try out the products in yeah. the future I mean from my perspective I can't sort of reiterate enough how impressive you know this trip has been I didn't know what to expect so Ralph just sent me an email and said, oh, I'm building this sustainable production facility, which piqued my interest because I'm very keen on sustainability. Um, and then I think from there, we sort of had a quick chat in Sicily yeah. when we were there and you were like, well, just book some flights. I'll sort the hotel. So I was like, I booked the flights. And actually, before I flew, I was like, I think it's the, the 3rd of November next week. I think I'm going about, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, not forgotten. I knew it was there, yeah, but yeah. October just went so quickly, quickly. in a blur. Yeah, I mean, and I was like, oh, I really need to sort out, like, right, I've got to get my camera gear ready and get the podcast gear ready and go, right, I've got to go to Macedonia and do this trip. But I didn't know what to expect. And when I was driving in the taxi, I was looking out at the scenery, just going, wow, this is, you know, absolutely beautiful, stunning, obviously meeting you here and having a bit of lunch and then when we went to this facility like it is it is mind-blowing the things that you're doing like honestly I'm not saying that but to look at every little aspect and to be so into every little detail you know it is just absolutely mind-boggling that you can go into that much but at the same time creating such an incredible looking product and 
for it to be sustainable. You know, any one of those things would be impressive, but to do all three of them, to have such tiny attention to every little detail, but then to have a finished product which looks better than anything else I've ever seen, you know, literally anything else I've ever seen, and to put it next to, you know, one of the top products of the moment, and this is what the future holds. And then with the sustainability side of it and looking after the staff, I think it's, you know, incredibly impressive, Ralph. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds. <laughs> yeah, and, thank you uh, very much. I can't, quite literally can't wait to get my hands on one. <laughs> yeah. well, we, we can make that happen for sure. That's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure when the time comes to do some testing, we can no, uh, no. Oh, we, we, we will and you will definitely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Ralph. Oh, thank you very much. That thank you very brilliant. much. Yeah. <laughs> There we have it. Another episode in the bank. I hope you enjoyed it. Apologies if I came across somewhat gushing about what's going on over in North Macedonia. I've been in the water sports industry now since I was, well, I mean, if you want to count being, a, have been in the water sports industry for a long time and it takes quite a lot to really impress me. New equipment comes and goes. We go to these launches all the time and you're like, yeah, okay, you've, you've, done this to it you've done that to it it's always better it's always faster but there's never really any huge step changes you know we had things like the the bow kites in 2006 which were obviously quite groundbreaking at the time we've seen some big moves forwards in terms of safety and things like that over the years and you know different ways in which we connect ourselves to the kite and obviously some big leaps in bar performance and at the moment we're seeing a lot of um you know technological technological improvements in terms of the materials but to go to North Macedonia and see what Brainchild were up to was truly mind-blowing um, and I am exceedingly critical of things you know I'll call something out if I don't think it's good so you know if I came across thinking that that was awesome it's because I genuinely went there and thought it was awesome and what I genuinely hope is that Brainchild really takes off and you know Ralph's dream of people wanting to choose a kite from a brand because it's been manufactured in a sustainable way comes to bear because if it does then that changes the industry for the better and those of you who've listened to my podcast about sunglasses and one of my other businesses faceplant which is a sustainable sunglasses company will know that you know sustainability is a big key to everything that we do these days and so you know to see that an industry that is inherently unsustainable really start to embrace sustainability would be an amazing step forward i think anyway i hope you enjoyed it and it won't be so long before the next episode comes out i know exactly who i'm going to be interviewing he's moved very close to me in wales currently he's in a jungle so that's a little clue as to who it will be but as soon as he gets back i'm going to sit him down we're going to have a chat as i mentioned right at the beginning give the boys at the generic foiling pod a listen that is well worth your attention and really really good I'm going to be releasing these a little bit more regularly, but not on a weekly basis, just because I'm so busy with everything else. We're doing a lot more video content with the magazines. Um, obviously, the sunglasses is quite busy, although it's winter time, so it's a bit down at the moment in terms of the amount of hours I have to input into it. But yeah, there's a lot going on, so I'm not going to commit to um, to busting out an episode once a week, but I am going to be recording these in the background. As soon as I get a good one in the bank, I will put it up here. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. Remember, as always, to give it a like and a share. Tell people about it on social media, spread the word. The more people that listen to these, the better and the more inspired we are to keep making them. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to me, Rue Chater and the Intriguing Beings podcast. <laughs>